Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We've been trying to emphasize Proverbs 14, verse 12, the last two or three weeks. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I think talking about spiritual death, there may be a way religiously that seems right to us, but it's not the right way, and it's going to lead to us being lost. A lot of believers and preachers would think that's impossible. I mean, all you got to do is be sincere. If you are if you believe in Christ and you're sincere, surely you're going to be saved. No, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It may seem right to you. You may be sincere, but if you're not following the truth, you're not going to be saved from your sins. Jesus said, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So only the truth is going to make us free from sin. Now, it's true that if you're truly sincere, you will find the truth. Jesus said, seek and you shall find, Matthew 7, 7. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, Matthew 5, 6. But just because a person is religious and he's doing what he thinks is right, that doesn't mean he's right. It doesn't mean he's saved. Saul said after he'd become converted from being a Jew who persecuted Christians, talking about throughout the course of his life, he said, I've lived in all good conscience until this day, Acts 23, verse 1. Even when Paul was a very zealous Jew and killing Christians, he was doing what he thought was right, what seemed right to him, but the end thereof were the ways of death. He had to learn the truth and obey the truth. And I may be talking to a lot of people tonight who who are sincere and think they're following God, but they're not following the truth. They're claiming to be Jesus' disciples, but John 8, 31 says, Jesus says, you are my disciple indeed, if you continue in my word. They're not continuing in Jesus' word. They don't even think it's that important to follow his word. They think, I believe in Jesus. That's all I really need to do. No, you need to study the word of God for yourself, Acts 17, verse 11, many other passages, and understand the truth and follow the truth to be set free from your sin. In the Old Testament, there's an interesting passage along these lines. Deuteronomy 12, 8 says, Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. People back then in Old Testament times were doing what was right in their own eyes. And he says, don't do that. Don't do what's right in your own eyes. Of course, we're supposed to do what's right in God's eyes, not in our own eyes. But people during Old Testament times were doing what was right in their own eyes, religiously. And people today, preachers and churches are doing what's right in their own eyes instead of what God says. Let me demonstrate that for you or document it. First, let's talk about what the New Testament says about homosexuality. And by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call, the lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, it's 877-655-6755. Here's what the Bible says about homosexuality from the New King James Version, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, neither homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's talking to Christians here. I mean, it's it's strange how a lot of people think, a lot of 
so-called Christians, believers, think once saved, always saved. If you become a Christian, you can't lose your salvation. Then why is Paul talking to Christians? He says, if you live in these unrighteous ways, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking to Christians. According to a lot of preachers today, it'd be impossible for you to not to inherit the kingdom of God if you become a Christian. But this says people, Christians, and non-Christians too, but Christians who are adulterers or fornicators or those who worship idolaters or homosexuals or drunkards, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Even if at one time you became a Christian, if now you're involved in any of these sins and you don't repent of them and get forgiven, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Even if you were truly born again at one time, this is written to people who are born again. If you're a homosexual, if you've been born again and somehow you've digressed and fallen away from the truth and become a homosexual, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter that you became a Christian at one time. You're not living as a Christian. You will not be saved. But notice what we read from the Birmingham News, August 6, 2003. And I'm quoting, The Episcopal Church approved its first openly gay bishop, the Reverend Gene Robinson. Robinson replied, we have many times departed from scripture. Robinson cited the examples of ordaining women priests and accepting divorce in the church as departures. And then I quote from Robinson, he says, just simply saying it departs from scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. Tim from Tucson, Arizona, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Pat. Um, yeah, we just wanted to get a quick reference on if you have anything that we could read about the holidays, because I know a lot of them are pagan that we celebrate here. So here's what I want you to do, Tim. And, and uh, by the way, how's Sarah doing and, and Violet? Oh, good. We just got out of uh, church with Brendan there. Okay, that go okay? Yeah, it went great. So here's a passage I want you to think about, and we'll talk about it more later. Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed. Yeah, Tim, you may need to turn your radio down. It'll get it'll give feedback if you have that going and it comes back through the phone, okay? Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And Tim, so what that's saying is, is we have, whatever we do in word or deed, we have to do in the name of the Lord Jesus, meaning by his authority. Don't do something unless, Tim, can you turn your radio all the way down while we're talking? Don't do something unless you have authority for it. So, for example, Tim, think about a, a Catholic priest and he baptizes a baby, sprinkles a baby, and he calls it baptizing. Baptize, baptism. He says, I baptize you in the name of the Lord. Tim, he may say that, but he, did he really do it in the name of the Lord? Not the way the Lord says to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the Lord never said to sprinkle a baby for baptism. So the Lord never authorized that. So you can't really do that in the name of the Lord. You may say you're doing it in the name of the Lord. There's a difference between saying you're doing something in the name of the Lord and actually do it in the name of the Lord. So a priest, a Catholic priest who sprinkles a baby says, I baptize you in the name of the Lord, but it's not really in the name of the Lord because the Lord did not authorize it. Do you see the difference? Yes. When we're talking about the holidays, we need to ask ourselves a question. What is authorized 
by the New Testament, our law for today, the law of Christ. Okay? So what we want to do is just limit ourselves because we love and respect the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. We're going to want to do what he authorizes. I use this illustration sometimes, Tim. So my daughter, she's 33 now, but when she turned 16, you know, maybe she was anxious to drive and everything. So I, I give her $5 and say, go buy me a, a gallon of milk at the grocery store. She goes and buys a gallon of milk. And maybe she also, with the change left over, buys some makeup and perfume. What was authorized for her to do by me and giving her that $5? What was she authorized to do, Tim? Right, just the milk. Buy the milk. But if she buys the perfume and the makeup, was that authorized by me? No. No. So since I never told her to do that, never gave her authority for that, then she went outside my authority to buy the makeup and the perfume. Buying the milk was authorized, but not the other things. And it's the same way with God's word. Let's only do what the Lord authorizes us to do. That's what Colossians 3.17 is saying. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't do something he has not instructed us to do. And why are we so careful about only doing what he's told us to do, Tim? It's because we love and respect him. Tim, when you were growing up, and I've probably asked you this question in one of our studies before, you disobeyed your parents. Was that showing them respect or disrespect? That's disrespect. Disrespect. So if we respect God, if we respect, respect Jesus, we're going to be want to be as careful as we can to follow what they've told us to do. Yes, we're saved by grace, but because we love and respect them, God, Jesus, we're going to do what the law of Christ does tells us to do, no more or no less. Remember John 14, 15, Tim, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. So if we... If we don't keep his commandments, that shows we don't love Jesus like we ought to, right? Yes. John fifteen fourteen, he says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I, have, I command you. A lot of people talk about having a relationship with Jesus. But to them, it's just kind of like a touchy-feely thing. They're not actually doing what Jesus says. But Jesus says, you're only my friend. You only have a relationship with me if you do what I command. So if a person's not doing what he commands then he really doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. It's more than just believing in Jesus. Remember Hebrews 5, 9, talking about Jesus, he says he became the author or the source of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Now think about that, Tim. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Who's going to receive eternal salvation according to that verse, Tim? All that obey him. <laughs> Which means if you just believe in him but you don't obey him, are you going to receive eternal salvation? No. No. So you, you remember the famous hymn, Trust and Obey. That, that hymn is true. A lot of people sing it, but they don't believe it. Tim, I'm going to let you go, and we'll plan to talk uh, later this week, okay? Thanks for your call. All right. Thanks, Pat. All right. Bye, Tim. Chris from Montana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've, I heard you talk about it tonight, and I heard one other program talk about it tonight, that um, we can lose our salvation if we have um, faith in Christ. I guess this is the first time I'm hearing of that. I thought once you are saved, you're basically always saved. You know, what I was talking about a while ago that you probably heard, here we have a passage written to Christians, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Now, I, I believe this would include non-Christians, but this is written to Christians. So nobody can deny this is not talking, not including Christians here. And he says, if you're unrighteous, 
you will not inherit the kingdom of God. A fornicator, an idolater, somebody that worships idols, an adulterer, a homosexual, a drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of mm-hmm. God. And this is talking about Christians. These are people that have been born again. He's talking to, and he says, for example, here's a person that truly becomes a Christian, but later he digresses. He falls away from the faith and becomes a homosexual. This verse says he will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, the Baptist right. Chris are famous for saying, this is their phraseology, that a Christian cannot fall from grace. But here's Galatians 5, 4 for your consideration, Chris. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So, I mean, how could it be impossible to fall from grace if Paul is saying by inspiration of God that here's some people, because they were trying to be justified by the Old Testament law, they had fallen from grace. How could God say they had fallen from grace if that's impossible? You see what I mean, Chris? Sure. Um, What about Galatians? Is it Galatians 1? Talking about God's elect, like, are, and God elects those that he saves. I don't know that he would let anybody go that he has elected to be saved. Well, so, so the God elects, the elect is just a terminology. I don't know what verse you're talking about. I mean, I can't, I can't remember the verse either. Yeah. But God, the God's elect. Is, oh, it's Ephesians. It's Ephesians one, it's a, not Galatians one. It's, an, uh, it's a synonym. It's a synonym for the word for saved. And let me turn mm-hmm. to a passage here. In, in uh, I'm turning to Second uh, Peter, uh, chapter one, verse ten. He's talking to Christians. He says, "Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling." and election sure for if you do these things talking about adding the christian graces that he that he starts talking about in verses five through seven he he mentions some christian graces he says if you do these things you shall never fall so if Mm -hmm. the fact that you are elect means you can never lose your salvation why does he say give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you shall never fall it seems the implication right. is we have to make our election sure. And if we don't do these things as a Christian, he's talking to brethren here. If you don't, you know, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, verses 5 through 7. If you don't do these things, it's saying you will fall. What do you think, Chris? Right. What, it, well, I, what does that sound like? I'm, well, it, I wonder if uh, I'm thinking that you – you cannot earn your own salvation, and sure. I'm thinking that I'm thinking that God is He likes those that He saves, and I feel like if you're if you lose your salvation, I guess I was always taught that if you lose your salvation, like you're you know a good Christian growing up, you got you do all the right things, blah blah blah, you're a good Christian, but then later in life you're like ah, I renounced God, I was I'm, I lost my salvation. It's like well, He was never a Christian to begin with. He was. You were basically deceived into thinking you were a Christian. You were never a Christian to begin with. You were you you were never saved. You were never born again. But you know, I feel like okay. once you were, and you and I understand you feel like that. But you know the Bible never teaches anything like that. That if you if you go back in the world that you never were a Christian. Let me read another passage to you, Chris, and see what you think. This is Jesus speaking, and it's Revelation three five. 
He says, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now, Chris, the book of life is mentioned eight or ten times in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Do you know what the book of life is? What it, what what it's talking about? We talks about the book of life in the Bible, Chris. You know, I, I guess I've heard that there may be more than one book of life, but basically, it's whoever is allowed into God's kingdom in the uh, at the end of time. Okay, so there's only one book of life that I'm aware of, and it's the list of the okay. names of all the saved people. You got that part right. It's a list of the names of all the saved people. God's list. And Jesus says, if you overcome, I think he's talking about overcoming like temptation and persecution, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. But yep. wouldn't that indicate that if you don't overcome, he will blot your name out? Oh, possibly. Um, well, I mean, possibly. I mean, Chris, it looks like to me we ought to just, if God is the one who's the author of Christianity, we ought to believe what God says. And he says, he implies here. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not possibly. It's if you don't overcome, he implies he will blot your name out, which means the fact that you were in there to start with means you were saved. And then you did not overcome temptation. Now you're not in the book of life anymore. Clearly you were saved and now you're lost. I mean, what what's to keep us from just going ahead and believe what the Bible says? Why do we, Chris, I'm not trying to be smart, a smart aleck, but why do we feel this, this thing where we just have to believe this doctrine, once saved, always saved, when when almost every page of the Bible has a verse that conclusively proves it wrong. There's nothing in the Bible that teaches once saved, always saved. Everything teaches against it. Let me read you another passage here. I'm going to Hebrews 3, 1, Chris. You don't have your Bible handy, do you? Uh, I am driving, otherwise I'd, I'd okay. help you out. So listen carefully to Hebrews 3, 1. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, Okay, now I'm going to stop there for a moment. Don't you think, isn't he addressing Christians there if he calls them holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so they're not just brethren. They're holy brethren. I mean, they're sanctified. They've been cleansed of their sins, and they're partakers of the heavenly calling. I'm going to suggest to you, Chris, and I think you would agree, only a Christian has partaken of the heavenly calling. Only a Christian is a holy brother, sanctified, cleansed of his sins. Now, skip to verse 12, and he says, Take heed, brethren, talking to these same people, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So here's some brethren. They were believers. And he's warning them against developing an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. It sounds like to me that it is possible for a Christian, a believer, to quit being a believer. And so it's not true that if you become an unbeliever, you never were a believer or Christian to begin with. Here's somebody that's clearly a brother, a holy brother, a partaker of the heavenly calling. It's got to be a Christian. He's warning them against developing the evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Chris, do you live in Montana? Yeah. In in Montana, you ever seen a billboard sign that says, beware of sharks? <laughs> no, I have not. Now, same for North Alabama, where I live. Why? Why do you not see a billboard sign in Montana or North Alabama, beware of sharks? There's no sharks to worry about up here. Yeah, no ocean nearby, right? Now, if I drive five or six hours straight south from here, I can get to the ocean. I might see a billboard sign, beware of sharks, but not here in North Alabama, not in Montana. And the reason is you don't bother to warn somebody about something that's impossible to happen, do you? Right. So why is God warning these 
holy brethren, these people, these brethren who were partakers of the heavenly calling, Christians, clearly they're Christians, believers. Why would he warn them against developing the evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God if that weren't possible? Right. That didn't make any sense. Now, that's Hebrews. Now, I'm going to go to James, James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. And by the way, I appreciate your call, Chris, okay? It's a very good mm-hmm. question. Here he says in James 5, 19 and 20, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, now this is brethren, and, he's, and, and the possibility is that they're going to err from the new truth. The King James says, wander from the truth. Well, you have a child that wanders from the house. That means there's a child at the house, and against our wishes, he leaves the house. Here's a brother that errs from the truth. That's a Christian, but he's wandering or erring from the truth, and he's talking to us. We're supposed to try to convert him back. It says, verse 20, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Here's that brother who erred from the truth. He leaves the truth. We're supposed to try to convert him back. He says, if you convert him back, you save his soul from death. Now, what would that imply if we fail to convert him back? Say he refuses to be converted back, Chris. What would that imply? That he is condemned to death. Yeah, his soul was going to die and his sins won't be covered. If you convert him back, you save his soul from death and his sins will be covered. His, he won't be, his sins won't be covered. His soul will die if he refuses to be converted back. All of these passages are teaching this idea of once saved, always saved is false. Now, here's another one. I'm going to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. It says, this is the old King James Version. It says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now, this when it says pollutions. It's not talking about smog. The footnote says sins. The newer translations will say corruptions. Chris, here's a person that's escaped the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ. Is that a Christian? Only a Christian has escaped the sins of the world through Christ. But then it says he's entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with him than the beginning, meaning he's worse off than if he never became a Christian to begin with. Would that mean he's saved or lost if he's worse off than if he had never become a Christian to begin with? Lost. Yep. And it's definitely talking about a Christian, somebody who's escaped the sins of the world through Christ. He's done that, but then he goes, it's a Christian. He, is, he becomes a Christian. He starts living right, doing what God wants him to do. He's, he's, he's been forgiven of his sins based upon the blood of Christ. But then for some reason later, he develops an evil heart of unbelief. He departs from the living God and he go, get, he's back into the sins of the world. It says he's worse off than if he'd never become a Christian to begin with. Now, so let's go back to Galatians 5.4. I think we started with that verse. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. Chris, when you're growing up, did you ever climb any trees? Yep. Did you ever fall from a tree? Sure. Now, my, I'm going to tease you here. Your wife told me that's your problem. You fell from one too many trees. Ha, ha. It's a joke. Right. Oh, yeah. I've never Hit every branch on the way down, too. <laughs> just making a joke. The point is you cannot fall from a tree unless you're in the tree, and you cannot fall from grace unless you're in grace. And these people, it said, had fallen from grace, meaning they had been in grace, saved, but because they were trying to bind the Old Testament law, like teach circumcision was binding or the Sabbath was binding. They fell from grace. They lost their salvation. Now, these passages are very, very clear. I don't know why people 
just insist upon this idea of once saved, always saved, because there's no verse in the Bible that teaches anything like that. I think, Chris, it's just wishful thinking. Wouldn't it be nice mm-hmm. if we could just say once we become a Christian, Chris, we can live any old way we want to and we're still going to be saved? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be kind of nice and comforting? I can go on, I can, I can cheat on my wife, you know, adultery. I can lie and steal and cheat and do all kinds of things that are contrary to the law of Christ. And so I'm still going to be saved because I became a Christian one day in the past. Wouldn't that, that be nice right. if that were true, Chris? It, it would be nice. I don't think people who think the once saved, always saved think that way. They think that you don't, you don't sin because you love God and you want to follow his commandments and therefore you don't sin, but you, you will sin. You know, yeah. I forget the first, I forget the first verse we were talking about where Chris, I'm going to have to go off the air. Thanks for your great call, Chris. Thanks for your great call. You bet. I'll have to go off the air. So it's, it's funny that people who believe once saved, always saved have a tendency to live an immoral lifestyle. If you want a free Bible study with me over the phone, call or text me at 256-682-9753. 